this is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. Now live, Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, on the Para-X Radio Network. special show and I'm very proud uh, of people on the show uh, we've done they're not famous but what they did do is complete the 30-day challenge that I offered on my website at andreavitimus.com 30-day challenge dot you check it out yourself where they did 30 days of uninterrupted work with spirits of their choosing. These people have done the heroic effort, and me and my co-host Jason, we've interviewed them, and we're providing these interviews for you. This will be the first of a two-part series of The People's Shows. All right, I'm here with the People's Show. This is the People's Show, of course. This is another segment on the People's Show. And we're going over... The People's Show? I'm about to give you the People's Elbow if you keep that up. Hey, hey. It is the People's Show. These people aren't necessarily famous writers. They're not necessarily famous authors. But they did the work. And that is awesome. And that's why we're calling it the People's Show. All right. And we're... To, right now we're here with MG... Who, uh, representing the people. Representing the people. One of the winners of the 30-day challenge. And uh, in his 30-day challenge, uh, there was lots of interesting things that happened. And uh, for the people listening, uh, the people listening to podcasts or, or the radio, you understand real magical work can change your life. And um, he worked with Gabriel for 30 days. Gabriel's pretty common. It's one of the four archangels. Uh, I think most of the listeners would know who Gabriel is. But interesting enough, to start off your challenge, you had a mega challenge right from the start, didn't you? Yeah, it was. Uh, it ended up going quite differently than I would have expected. Um, day one of the challenge, um, I got laid off uh, from a job I had worked at for more than seven years. So that's a very long time, and it came without warning. Ooh. So I had. I had thought the challenge would be, you know, sticking with the right for 30 days, 
keeping it fresh for 30 days, you know, doing it in, a, in an attentive fashion to get the most benefit. But it really turned more into just combating despair over 30 days sort of thing, you know. Oh, who cares about all this spiritual stuff? You know, I got to hustle for a job now. Who am I after all these years suddenly, you know, losing this whole, you know, all the stability in my life just fled, you know, what am I going to be doing now kind of thing. So, yeah, that, that's uh, certainly very different than what I went into it thinking it would be. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think easy 30 days, 30 minutes, it's going to be easy, right? But yeah. Life stepped in and said, let's make it a real magical challenge, right? So, yep. <laughs> I, I, just, I just want to clarify, MG, did you do the first ritual before getting laid off, or how'd that go down? Well, here's how it went. Um, I actually, what happened is that I had planned to do a Gabriel ritual for some time. I am actually a student of Jason Miller, who I know you, or both of you know. I am uh, oh, yeah. enrolled in his strategic sorcery class, and I'm going to plug it anyone. I, I, you know, great class to take if you're interested in a very modern approach to magic. One of his homework assignments is to build a spirit bottle. Pick a spirit. You know, build a bottle to it, use it as a focus for your practice. So I had uh, gotten some, I had ordered several months ago some materia associated with the Archangel Gabriel. I thought it would be worthwhile to work with Gabriel because of his association with dreaming, psychicism, and the lunar sphere, all things I wanted to explore. As it happened, my order actually apparently got bungled somewhere in the mail, and I didn't get it for months and months. And then I learned about the challenge from uh, another participant, Sarah, who uh, did a great job with her own work. And I decided that I would uh, pull two birds with one stone. I would do, both do my strategic sorcery homework and really, you know, focus on a ritual for a month and really see if I could get the most out of it. So I did preparation for nine days before actually starting the 30-day challenge. And in those nine days, I researched Gabriel, I got the materia, I put it together. I actually had what I would consider quite meaningful contact even before the formal 30-day period began. Now, as it happened, yes, the, I did, uh, after the press period end, I, I started the 30 days. And it was right on the right on the first day, uh, the evening, right that evening. Yeah, I got the uh, got the message that I had been laid off. Gentlemen, I lost all audio. Oh, that's not good. Andrea? Can either of you hear me right now? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay, apparently Andrea can't hear us. Oh, that's not good. Because he's not saying anything. I can hear you guys. Sorry. Okay, good. Sorry about, see, radio. Skype is uh, evil. But, so you're starting off the 30-day challenge 
uh, with this massive thing, and how did it feel when you're working with Gabriel in this, what became a real challenge at first? And how did it change after the 30 days of working with Gabriel? How, how did your relationship with Gabriel change? How did things in your life change? Well, that's a good question. You know, I actually, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's, you know, they say angels deliver, among other things, are the great comforters. They deliver comfort to man from divinity. And one or two times during the course of the 30 days, I was actually getting um, a sense of, a sense from Gabriel, you know, wait for the rain clouds to pass. Don't, don't fall into despair. Wait for the rain clouds to pass. The sun will come soon. And actually, the most, in many ways, the most meaningful message I got from Gabriel in the course of the 30 days was on the last day after. It was actually right after I, uh, in my mind, had sort of formally finished the working up. And I had, I had finished it up on a pier because Gabriel is associated with the water. So I, I went down to the water and did something by the sailboats in my uh, in my town, and as I got up and left, Gabriel gave me one last message, which was that you know no matter how much it may feel justified to be bitter, to be angry at the universe, to be angry at God, it's not a helpful reaction to hey, that circumstance. MG, I got to break in for a second, man. Are you outside? Uh, no, I'm inside. Okay, it sounds like your signal's fading. You're next to an AC or something. Oh, well, that's, that's, boom, that's not good. No, I'm, I'm inside, no AC, no, not really. Yeah, it just got immediately better. Okay, so whatever you did, keep doing it. Okay, well, uh, yeah, so the, the message I got, and that was really, you know, in terms of communications from the Spirit, that was the most meaningful thing to me. Other things certainly happened, and some of the things I asked for manifested quite differently from what I was sort of hoping for. Uh, but, you know, that message of comfort, again, going to angels, being sort of the comforters of the divine, that was a, that was a great personal value to me. So you actually not only just had them comfort you, but you, you actually had physical, tangible effects in your life change. I mean, uh, that you, you're kind of alluding to that things actually, you did ask for things that came and manners not in the way you thought but you did get success yes and and that's a great point you know um one of the the requests i made in 30 days and when i would make my i did the ritual after i crafted the bottle the way i did it is i would do a petition of gabriel and i asked him for two things one was to harmonize my lunar sphere you know my relationship to lunar energies and so forth and the other was to elevate my dreaming, elevate my dreams to divinity. So I was sort of, in terms of elevating dreams to divinity, I was sort of imagining that I was going to have fantastic lucid dreams or, you know, uh, the angels would appear to me in dreams and give me messages, something like that. That didn't really happen. And I even, I, I said a few times, you know, this side of things doesn't seem to be manifesting. But actually, just a few days ago, I was meditating, and I, I entered trance very easily, much more easily than I, I normally do. It's not something I, I practice all that much. And the, visual, the quality of the visual imagery, uh, the visual imagery I was getting was much richer and clearer and fuller than it's normally been. Awesome. And I thought about it, and I realized that 
that was more as a way that, uh, if you want to say my dreaming self was elevated, I became much more adept at entering trance and receiving visual imagery that way, which is really not, again, although I've practiced magic for many years, I've never really been very good at scrying and passively receiving visions, and that really did improve a lot. So in that sense, yes, you know, I, I, I did develop, uh, my dreaming self did develop, it's just completely different from how I expected it, and I didn't even recognize it until after the challenge had ended. Which I think gets into a lot of the problems with magical work in general, especially real magical work, is you often get what you're asking for in ways you don't expect and realize it after the fact and go, oh wait, stuff has changed. <laughs> well, and, and you know, as magicians, well, all right, I shouldn't generalize. Certainly we can disagree as to the nature of these entities, but I think I think it's safe to say most people who do serious work with them seem to conclude they have a certain will of their own. They're not just subconscious projections. They have a will and presumably an agenda, and you don't necessarily have control over it. Uh, you know, they will do as they will when they come. And, you know, the, the how Gabriel manifested in my life, it certainly wasn't as I expected, but it was in keeping with what I requested, which, which again, I think that, that is very true to how magic So, would you do it again? Would you do the challenge again, um, based on what you learned after doing the 30 days of dedicated work? Absolutely, and I think if I were to do it again, I would probably, uh, I thought about this, I would probably like to pick uh, something that uh, was, I was much less familiar with. You know, not something, you know, Gabriel, not, not, not to say it was a great working, I, it was a wonderful experience. I would probably pick something that uh, I was not so familiar with in the West uh, and see, see how that would integrate with my life. Now, if you've ever done, like, kind of rituals off the cuff, did you notice, uh, you know, any difference from doing like a single ritual to the kinds of results and changes that you were seeing when you actually stepped in and did something like this for 30 days straight? Yes. Um, I've actually found that doing things off the cuff works very well for material change. If you want a burst of luck, you know, you want to... Uh, you know, I don't know. You want inspiration for the poem you're going to write. Rituals off the cuff can actually be very, very powerful. But I, I think what I find is that for, you know, the, the long haul, the kinds of slow, sustained change, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's better to really, you know, put the time, do it over weeks, over months. Uh, you know, a lot of traditions, if you were going to work with the deity, uh, you know, a lot of the Far Eastern or South Asian traditions, you would recite the mantra hundreds of thousands of times. You wouldn't just pick it up, utter its name, bless, the, bless an object, you know, that you would really be expected to do, to do serious work if you were, you know, if you were going to practice the way a traditional yogi would practice. And, you know, we don't all have to be traditional yogis, we all have our own paths, but meaningful work, if you want really meaningful inner results, you know, you have to put meaningful amounts of time and practice into it. 
Yeah, yeah, I think we'd agree with that. No, you're both wrong. You, you just, you can just pay somebody, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so well, we're, look, I mean, there's there's a role for, I mean, you know, if if, if you just want a, a blessed uh, a blessed trinket, I mean, sure, there's a role for paying somebody to do that for you. I mean, that can all be fine. Certainly, that's uh, that's done in lots of places. But um, yeah, I mean, in the end, you get what you work for. So, having went through the whole experience and through the other side, you know, do you have any, any words of wisdom for people who are, you know, maybe not also, you know, not famous occultists, not famous uh, authors, but, you know, people struggling out there and any words of wisdom about what you can achieve in, in 30 days? Well, I'll say this. One of the things I really went into this challenge thinking was that I wanted to combine things I'd learned from different magical paths. I'm, I, you know, as I said, Jason Miller, I consider him one of my teachers. I have other teachers, too. Um, I really, I didn't really do this the Golden Dawn way, you know, draw Gabriel with this, you know, draw this invoking pentagram and vibrate in Hebrew, this, that, the other thing. I really, you know, I use a... a a mix of practices, and anyone who's interested can read what I did on the blog. Some of them are very non-traditional and non-standard, but it made sense to me. The symbolism made sense to me. It was rooted in things I've actually been taught, not just in uh, personal fancy. And, you know, I found that I got very good results with it. And in fact, day 26 or 27, I saw something on Christopher Bradford blog, uh, Christopher Bradford's blog about working with using psalms to work with angels, using a quote from the Book of Psalms, a, a particular passage as a way to work with angels, and I loved it, so I tossed it in there. So I even added more things that, but that they made sense to me. It wasn't, I guess we could say it was willy nilly in a sense. It was a mix of different things, but there were things that were meaningful to me. The symbolism resonated with me, and. I got what I would consider good results. So I would say that the words of wisdom, you know, but the extent I can, I can do that is that I would say to people, you know, when you work, as, you don't necessarily have to slavishly follow a system to get results. You can certainly combine different techniques to get results. I really don't think that angels and deities care all that much. You know, I, I suppose they do care. I don't want to, I don't want to say, I don't want to speak for, for what, uh, I shouldn't speak to them, but I should say they're, they're certainly, my sense is they're open to different ways of reaching them. But what's important is that you find a path that works for you and that you use techniques that are, are genuinely meaningful to you. And I think if you do that, you know, you can combine practices, you can be syncretic, you can be chaotic, and you can get great results. Well, and one could say maybe you weren't sticking to one specific procedure all throughout, but you're still maintaining some form of consistency. Yes, and, and to be fair, for the most part, I don't want people to think, you know, it wasn't just I did this one day and I did that one day. I did have a particular uh, way of working with Gabriel. I, I did add, as I mentioned, I added one element in towards the end that I just found online and it really appealed to me. But yes, I mean, I planned in advance. It wasn't just slapped ass today doing this, doing that. It was something planned in advance, you know, like a recipe. And, and like a recipe, it, it drew ingredients from, like recipes can, it drew ingredients from different uh, styles of cooking. But it was certainly planned in advance. And, and I like to think that uh, 
you know, a real meal was produced out of it. Well, that's excellent. That's excellent. So we got about two, three, four minutes left. Yeah, about three or four. So, did you tell people out there to get off their butts and do this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I have friends who are, you know, true occultists, who are, you know, very, I would consider, certainly much more adept at this sort of thing than I have. I am, and I certainly I have friends and loved ones who are totally secular, don't care about any of this stuff. So, you know, when people talk to me about spiritual practice, and sometimes people ask, you know, what, I've been asked, what should I do, what should I do? I, I try to see what would appeal to them. You know, my uh, significant other, she basically said, you know, I went to Catholic school, that's all the spirituality I needed. And then recently she did, she did ask me, you know, you do all this stuff, is there anything you'd recommend for me? And I said, well, you know, if, the, if, you, if you're committed to a more secular path, maybe just some basic vipassana would be of benefit for you in terms of giving you mental focus and discipline. Whereas, you know, somebody who had a background in, uh, you know, golden dawn magic were to come to me, yeah, I would probably say something completely different. Well, very good. Any concluding thoughts about your experience and... The fact that I owe everyone T-shirts, damn, I owe everyone uh, T-shirts. Well, first of all, thank you. I want to thank you for having me on, and thank you for setting up the challenge. Like I said, certainly my life uh, unexpected turn, but it, it, I, I am uh, very glad to have been able to uh, participate in something like this. And I really felt like we, we had a, commu a certain community going uh, towards as the challenges were coming in. We were communicating with each other, the various co-participants. So. A very a wonderful experience all around, and I just encourage uh, anyone who finds, you know, any of this interesting or, uh, you know, in any way, just, you know, hey, do the work, pick up a book, you know, it doesn't have to be magic per se, it can be doing a yoga practice that gives you a certain spiritual calm, it can be doing meditation, it can be just looking back at the religion you were raised in and maybe seeing something new there, but, you know, you... you I think there's something, almost anyone can find something in this world, uh, a spiritual practice that will be a benefit if they really stick with it and work at it. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, you are very welcome. And just stay on the air uh, for a second or two. All right, thanks again. segment of the people's show every person we're having the show may not be famous yet but they all have successfully completed the 30-day challenge the first 30-day challenge the entity challenge which we talked about in the show and believe it or not that's much more difficult than people think these aren't necessarily people who wrote a book they're not necessarily people who 
have a great internet following, but they are people who did the work, and that's why we're having the people show. Well, and, what they are is people like you who actually committed to 30 days of consistent work and got results. Yeah, but I'm famous or infamous. Not you, not you specifically, you the audience. Well, I think maybe after the show, uh, we'll inspire a few more people to do 30 days of consistent work. Um, now, this guest, Sarah, Hello. did awesome work with non-traditional, non-traditional spirit, actually. We should talk about that a little because, you know, some people feel like, you know, hey, you have to do it by the book. You have to do everything traditional. But you chose a spirit that was kind of in your frame, kind of around the periphery for a while and uh, got really interesting results from the spirit that may not have existed before or was hanging around in, in your visions. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, so um, I've actually done a significant amount of work with spirits before. I actually find it much easier than energy work, um, even though I know a lot of people think the opposite. Um, so I really wanted to sort of try something that was outside of my comfort zone. And I'd recently, in you know the couple of months leading up to the challenge, um, sort of learned this new shamanic journeying technique. Um, and in it, I was getting sort of around the edges, not necessarily the spirit I was looking for, I was communicating with, but there'd be other sort of spirits who were just like, oh, something interesting's going on, let me see what that is. And one of them was this strange, very alien, um, sort of non-Euclidean, temporally weird, one-eyed creature. Um, so I decided, well, look, instead of working with Ishtar, or with uh, um, Sandalfon, or who were both sort of in the running as I was picking entities. I was like, let me see if I can make contact with that thing. Because there'll be this forum, and I'll have some backup. Like, people will, you know, be paying attention, so if something goes wrong, like, I'll have somebody to give advice, and I want to do something crazy and weird and new. So I settled on trying to contact this entity. Um, and I'd never really done that before, contacted an entity that I didn't have a name for. Sort of my style of work is very name-driven, so it was, it was hard getting contact with something without a name. Um, but yeah, so that's what I tried. So, uh, if it can be publicly spoken about, what is the name of the entity that you actually found? Right, so at first I didn't have a name for it all, and I just called it Alien Ganesh because it had an elephant trunk and seemed like an alien, like a big, you know, gray-headed alien. Um, and then uh, after sort of my second or third sort of big journey with it, I thought I heard the name Aziz Al-Aziz. And that seemed like a legitimate name, so I worked with that for a while, but it finally settled down. Once I had a, a deeper connection, I'm pretty sure that his name is actually Aselzaz. Very cool. Um, so, so even the name and your perception of the entity changed as you were going through the 30 days. As you felt like the connection was getting better, you, it was almost like you could get better and better information. It did. It really felt like, you know, on an old radio where you sort of have to tune the dial back and forth, it really felt like I was sort of zeroing in on the correct frequency 
for the communication. Um, and I got clearer visuals and much clearer sounds. And also, I know sometimes when we talk about magic, at least when I talk about it, I feel that when I'm telling someone else what happened, it seems much easier and clearer and more linear than the actual experience of it is. Oh, so, yeah. Right. <laughs> so even though I say, like, oh, I saw this or I heard that, like, it's, it's really a much more sort of nebulous, vague thing. But it got a little bit less nebulous and vague and a little more reliable. Like, the first couple times, it really felt like I had to sort of quest through the entire universe to get to the end of forever to make contact. Um, and after a while, sort of, I instead of going looking, I could call and he would sort of come to me instead. Mm. Which is sort of more what I'm used to. So, Sarah, what did you learn of Ossel Zaz? Hmm. Well... So I learned a couple things. I learned, here is what I believe about this spirit. I believe him to be um, a very, very old spirit that humans worked with at one point and have since forgotten. Possibly very, very old, like from the upper Paleolithic or early Neolithic period. Um, I think that uh, it's a mammoth spirit, like the spirit of a woolly mammoth. I interpreted it as ha him as having one eye as I did some research, I found out that a lot of people think that Cyclops myths are from people finding elephant and mammoth skulls. Yep. Look at their skulls, like the hole where their trunk comes out really looks like a giant eye socket. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, like, toward the end, it seemed more like it was an actual skull. Like, that the creature was physically instantiated in a skull. Well, there's, there's a curious thing. You didn't know that about mammoth skulls beforehand, then. No, no, I learned that when I started reading up. I mean, if you do an internet search for one-eyed elephant, that fact comes across relatively yep. quickly. So it was not an easy thing to Google, right? Like, I'm used to, I'm really sort of an academic at heart. So usually when I'm researching something like sandal fawn, I'm reading, you know, a lot of original texts and, uh, you know, fighting my way through some Greek and some Hebrew. And really, I like to have very detailed kind of hard book learning behind my magic and it was really um a little uncomfortable for me to go into this kind of line without really knowing what i was doing um so like google searching one-eyed elephant does not produce particularly useful results but i did learn that bit about you know the origin of cyclops myth. so usually you know because you're used to doing much more academic Research. Do you think that as a result of diving into this experience that was much less comfortable for you, that it's changed how you approach magic? Definitely. Like, I think it's a lot easier for me now. Like, I sort of am more willing to believe my own instincts about things without having to have them sort of verified by some external authority figure. Um, and I, I found, like, so I've started working with some other spirits that I can only find sort of very vague references to, um, including a spirit that I just started working with recently called Kuboa, who is a spirit of the Long Island Sound, which is near where I live. I did some work with him this morning. Very, 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 very cool. So in the process of the 30 days, I know on the 30-day on the, uh, challenge, uh, on the post you, you mentioned you felt like you got your mojo back but did did you see any other like physical tangible results come about 
after the 30-day challenge was over or during the 30-day challenge? I did. So about halfway through, I had a really strong physical reaction where the only way I could describe it is it really felt like my head was going to explode. Like, I was doing some energy work and I don't really know what happened, but like my head just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was actually really very um, scary and uncomfortable. Like I started calling every magician friend I know until somebody picked up the phone at one o'clock in the morning. And conveniently the person who picked up is a, an acupuncturist. So she had very specific and detailed um, advice about what I should do about it to sort of relieve the pressure. And I found that after that, for, for the next several weeks, every time I did the work, I would get um, basically like a, a sense of pressure in my head, but it wasn't, after that first time, it wasn't um, scary and painful. It was just unpleasant. And after a while, it sort of, uh, it sort of just dissipated. And I really felt, so one of the things I wanted to do in this challenge was, uh, was open my third eye. I don't know if you can hear me making little ironic air quotes around that phrase because I'm not exactly even sure what that means, but I really felt like somewhere along the way, um, I had turned off my ability to be very magically sensitive because it was, it was, it was upsetting and emotionally difficult for me when I was a teenager. Like I was very sensitive and didn't really know what I was doing. And that was, uh, bad for me so I sort of shut it down but then I forgot oh. how to unlock it and that was one of the things I wanted to do with this working and I really feel like it worked like I found that I'm much more sensitive um, you know I pick up flashes of things and I'm also it's much easier for me to that sort of nebulous information I was talking about it's much easier for me to get it in sort of concrete sensory ways to really uh, see visions and, and hear voices not in a crazy way, though. That sounded kind of crazy. Well, yeah, controlled meditative circumstance, not just like while you're out shopping. Right, exactly. You mean you don't hear the aliens beam in the message of the NSA to essentially buy more stuff that comes across in, in your minds? I'm the only one? I cannot nor deny what the aliens told me. Okay, see, there you go. Well, me, it's usually the Anunnaki saying, why aren't you guys out there mining gold, you know? <laughs> so in the course of, uh, so, so in the course of 30 days, you're, you know, you had, you reframed, it sounds like reframed a lot about uh, what you were willing to do magically and a lot of, there was, a, you got exactly what you asked for, for better or worse. Uh, with your third eye was open more and you started to be able to do kind of more shamanic approach to magic as well as having all these tangible results um, that you're you're discussing you know did other people notice or did they ever say anything to you like hey what are you doing you know yeah, people did so people at work um, even you know not magicians but just people who are sort of it was certainly people think of themselves as magicians, but people who are sort of spiritually attuned or whatever that means, um, they certainly did notice that something was going on with me. Um, and they'd be like, oh gosh, Sarah, what's wrong? You seem so far away. And I'd be like, oh no, it's nothing. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, and my magician friends all knew that I was doing it, and they certainly noticed that I was a little more... Uh, that I got my mojo back. I had a really um, hard year this year. 
my parents were killed in a car accident in October. And uh, so the fall and winter were very, uh, very cold and dark for me. And coming as it did, these 30 days sort of in May, I sort of, you know, woke back up to spring and life and magic and whatever. And people definitely, I think, noticed that I was getting better. Oh, that's very cool. That's very cool. I enjoyed it. Mostly. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of rough emotional stuff that came up over the 30 days. Like, it was not entirely fun. But it was good and useful. And it never seemed, like, overwhelmingly difficult. Just difficult. Well, okay, I was ready to quit at one point. Really? Why? What happened? Toward the middle, it kind of stalled out. So for the first week, I was getting really intense. Like, I was getting a lot of really powerful sort of stuff going on with, you know, a reasonable amount of effort. And then for a number of reasons, partly, like, my work life got much busier, so it was harder to devote time to it. I was waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning to do it. Uh -oh. And I just sort of saw that, like, I just wasn't getting, you know, the newness, the fun novelty aspect wore off. And, you know, I wasn't getting a lot of traction there for a little while. And I was like, oh, this is stupid. It's too hard. I should have just done Sandal Fun. He'll show up if I call. But this guy, I don't even know his name. I can't do this. I'm just bad at magic, blah. And Andrea, one of the things I really, really love was like almost instantaneously Andrea came in and was like oh no that's great like keep going you're doing great and so did other people and it really sort of it gave me the structure and the like backup that I needed to be like well I'll try it out for another week and then another week after that and then I was done like it really I think if I'd been doing it by myself without that uh that community support I think I probably would have quit at that point so that's very interesting. That's almost two people that both said life threw them a curveball in the middle of the challenge to make sure they were, you could interpret it like serious about the actual winning the challenge. Yeah, yeah, and the, the competitive nature of it also made it easier to stick to. Like, I didn't want to be a loser. See, Jason, you didn't do the challenge. What does that make you? That makes me somebody going through an initiation process is what that makes me, doing other shit. Uh, that's true. <laughs> true. That's true. I don't have any excuse except for the fact that I still need more stuff. <laughs> I gotta work extra hours to get more stuff. Egyptian magic costs too much money. <laughs> Isn't that funny? The guy who came up with the challenge spent 30 days shopping. Well, actually, I spent the, the days arguing with people who said they were going to send me stuff that I bought and then get me, so I had to buy it again. When I'm I've always, like, tried to see it as, like, a sign from the universe that I should wait until things arrive to do the magic, but... No, that's how I took it. Uh, it's so I, frustrating. I take it as a sign from the universe that people are getting backcharged on my credit card. <laughs> well, I actually took it as a sign that... Uh, I needed to do exactly what I was doing, which is ironic because I've been doing 
basically the work for the energy 30-day challenge in the spirit challenge and probably for the spirit challenge for the energy challenge I'll go back and start doing the spirit challenge because up the amperage on all my chakras and got my energy system dense so I could deal with the raw stuff because raw is not an easy entity to work with I would imagine not. I'm kind of scared of Ra. What was that? I said, I would imagine he's difficult. I'm a little scared of Ra. I don't know if I'd do that. That's the thing. He's not difficult for me, but you're not the only person who got scared. Because when I did the Ra ritual last year, Jason gets, I would say, possessed by Set, because you did not know what you were saying at all times. And I was invoked by Ra, and everyone was scared of Ra. I know. What does that say? that we're like totally chill with sex. Uh-oh, the sun shows up and suddenly that's all ooky spooky scary. I know, right? I, I, I didn't get it either, but there were several people who said they were scared of Ra. They weren't scared of Set. They they understood where Set was coming from, but they and were scared was, of Ra. And, and I, was was, I was the benevolent Ra, too. That's, that's the freaky thing. Raw was not mean to people. Set directly was being mean. Oh yeah, Set challenged people directly in their face. I was worried that we were going to have to tackle you at times. When I see <laughs> Like, what I mean is I'm scared that I'll get swallowed by a giant fish. Like, I always have this fear that solar deities will show up and like... Oh, well, that's, that's what Yahweh does. He's, he makes fish swallow you. Like, I've been swallowed by that fish on occasion. <laughs> So in the 30 days, you know, we have the listeners and maybe people listening to podcasts, you know, maybe you could give them a sense of, and you have been, but a sense of how much you actually accomplished in that 30 days. And we're not talking about years. We're just talking 30 days of, of just straight magical work. Well, what, because like while I was doing it, I didn't really feel like I was making progress. But then towards the end, I went back and reread everything, and I could really see that like, um, first of all, in practice, I just got much better at that kind of journeying. Like it became easier to slip into trance. I got sort of clearer communication. Um, I also got better at, I I guess energy work. Like I, I just, so for a long time, long time, and people had always talked about chakras, and I literally had no idea what they were talking about. Like I'd done all the reading, and in theory, I understood what they were. But people would say, like, "Can't you feel that in your chakra?" And I didn't know what they were talking about. Like I guess I just didn't have these centers in my body. Like I had no understanding of what they were, and I started to sort of get an understanding of like, of where those places in my body were, and sort of how it physically felt like to have the energy there. I know for most people that sort of comes very naturally and talking to spirits and, and conjuring is harder, but that's just never been my experience. I, I don't think that that's true for everyone. I think it really depends. I think that like um, for some people they can't really ever feel energy at all until they really kind of work with the thing and I think some people have just great uh, mediumship skills and should I ever write a book that's all going to be in there and, and uh, that's going to be on some of the stuff that I talk about on Arcanoium too that there's there's certain notions people have about working with spirits and energy that 
just aren't right. Everyone has different gifts, and once you realize what the gifts are, you can use them to augment other gift, the other aspects, which is what you did, actually, when I was reading a lot of the 30-day challenges. You started to use your spirit, your ability to hear messages to augment sight and feeling. Yes. Yes, that's definitely the case. Um, it, it's a like beginning of the 30 days, it occurred to me that I should just do spirit magic in order to get better at energy magic, which looking back, why that never occurred to me before. Um, but it, it worked very well. Um, I, I feel like I really got substantive results. So do you have well, any, well, go ahead, Jason. I would go as far as to say, if you're doing effective spirit magic and getting results, even if you don't sense it, you're moving energy. Yes, I would, I would, I would also agree with you, Jason. So, people do it. They seem to be able to reliably sort of explain to me, like they can tell your magic I'm doing from the energy. So it's not that I just leave the energy. I just don't. I'm not very attuned to it. But I've, I've noticed that I've become much more so. Like it's become much easier. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's just. It's just a matter of certain styles of training bring that out, and certain understandings bring that out. Usually, if you can use one method to augment the other, they'll strengthen. It'll be mutually strengthening of all things. So it's kind of it's just a matter of the. It's almost like a matter of the techniques that you're you're reading and learning from people, just in deal with it in the way that you needed it to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. I think that's true. It's one of those things. So people listening out in Wonderland of the universe and whoever listens to our podcast, what would you tell them about doing this type of work for 30 days straight? What would what advice would you give them? The biggest advice I think is to just do it. Like, it's not, like, even if you think it's not working, just keep doing it anyway. And, uh, and to just try it. Um, the other thing is, I will say, um, I finally gave up on doing it at night when I was exhausted, and I really, yeah, I noticed a significant difference when I just bit the bullet and woke up an hour and a half early to do it in the mornings. But that really did, that really was much, much easier than trying to do, like, cram it into night at home from work and then did work at home and then ate dinner and was ready to collapse. So an actual, <clears throat> yes, a, a diligent change in lifestyle to accommodate the needs. The other thing is I found it was really helpful to... I put some thought into how I was timing it. So I had some time off of work uh, for the Jewish holiday of Shavuot because I work at a Jewish, I teach math at a Jewish high school. Um, and, uh, and so we had time off, I, I don't know what Shavuot, I think it's called Pentecost. I think it's the Christian name for it if people know what that is. Sure. Um, work. So, so I scheduled it so that the last four days I would be off and I could sort of do more significant work and then towards the end, I realized that I had inadvertently timed it out very well. It's called counting the Omer. 
which, uh, blah, blah, blah. It's a way to sort of uh, climb the tree of life in the, the four days between Passover and Shavuot. And it turned out back and looked at what I had done, that my work lined up very, very well with that, sort of inadvertently. Um, and so I, I think that I think that the timing really was a, an important element of it, especially because it's so difficult to fit that work one time. I mean, I already did, you know, a half hour of meditating in the morning and then a little work. And I, I you know, I did some stuff in the evenings as well. So it was an extra, sometimes almost an hour and a half on top of that. And uh, it's hard to fit in. So I found that really thinking about how I was going to fit it in and really planning out the logistics of it a key ingredient. Limited success I had. Well, very cool. Very cool. Uh, and we hope now that, uh, I hope now that you're actually feeling better about the energy work, that you'll, you'll do the 30 day energy challenge, which will be actually a lot easier. Well, what, Andre, he's got an amazing looking class on advanced energy work starting on Monday. Yeah, I already posted the first week, <laughs> which is very easy, so it's not too bad. But all the stuff in that class is going to be kind of funny because people will look at it and say, this is easy, but they've never actually done it that way. And it's, it's easy in a Zen sort of way looks easy and then you realize oh wait <laughs> i teach calculus so i'm very familiar with things look easy when other people are doing them but uh doing things yourself is is not nearly so easy as watching other people do it or oh, yeah i think i think it actually is the way that class is going to go everything is easy but it's because it's being thought about a different way that people will be like this is so easy i could have thought about it like I should have thought of this, but the, the fact is they didn't, right? Mm -hmm. Because just because it's easy doesn't mean there wasn't a lot of thought into it. That's kind of a weird thing about the cult. They think that because a technique's easy, it doesn't have as much worth. But sometimes it's easy because the person who's developing those techniques have kept streaming them and testing them to make to be much more in line with an Asian view of technique versus a Western view, so it's. I think you. I think you sell yourself short, though. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot in the whole world, and I think a lot of people don't understand that teaching itself is an actual skill. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. Explainer of things, and and I think lots of people aren't. Like I think things seem easy when uh, when they're taught well. That's probably true. That is probably very true. Well, thank you for coming on and inspiring people to go into and do this. Maybe not participate in the next challenge, but at least do it themselves, which was really the point of the whole challenge. So I hope people do. It was really, it, it was amazing. And thank you so much for, for making it happen. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks again.
for another segment of The People's Show. And it is indeed The People's Show. We have had collected stories from multiple people who actually won the 30-day Entity Challenge that I posted on my website. We're going to be doing more challenges like this. And we've heard unbelievable stories so far, Jason. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. Things are going really good. Yep. People will have excellent results for this project. That's right. Right. And all they did was 30 days, and uh, we're trying to prove a point. Uh, they're not famous. No one on our show. Uh, no one who we've interviewed is famous, occult magicians. They may be in the future after the challenge, and it sounds like some of them are well on their way to that, uh, to moving in that direction. But the truth is, is that uh, for many of the people, the challenge radically changed their life, and it was only 30 days, even though it seemed like, you know, 30 days uh, doesn't seem like a long time. It's a monumental challenge uh, out of the hundred or so people who actually came onto the challenge, only six won, uh, which tells you what kind of challenge it actually is. And uh, in this segment, to have full disclosure, we are going to talk to our friend, our good friend Zach, who, to have full disclosure, is a member of our small metaphysical school and uh, as, is part of the Quantum Life Science Institute. Now, Zach had just marvelous transformations, and I think he was the, either the first or second person to actually win the challenge. Um, and uh, in his work, he was actually working with a Pure Land Buddhist entity, which Pure Land is not as known as some forms of Buddhism, but it has some very interesting properties. And uh, with that, welcome to the show, Zach. Hey. So, to start out, you're actually studying formally and almost done uh, to become a formal Chinese doctor. Yep, just a few more months. So, you're working with a Pureland Buddha, which I can't really pronounce the name, but maybe you could give that name for the audience, right? Sure, the English or more Indian version of the name would be Amitabha. And then the more Chinese one would be Amitofo. Okay. And um, you were working, worked through the 30-day entity challenge um, with this entity in, in a pretty hardcore way based on what we were seeing with the reading. I mean, I've done mantra work up to, 20, uh, up to like 10, 15 malas and nearly couldn't walk. I mean, you, you were piercing the 20, 30 uh, mala work every day with this entity, so some pretty serious mala work. Oh yeah, I mean, after I had to recover for a little bit and just reground, right? I mean, with the stuff you taught me, so, you know, doing the basics there, but yeah, every single day it was pretty harsh. So like, what kind of time frame were we looking at? Was this like over an hour of work? Um. Generally, I was going through them pretty fast, but then I would always talk to Amitofo after. So we, I would always put around an hour to two hours a day just on wow. for this wow. work, right? And then some days it go faster, other days it go slower. It just depended what I need to work with then, because with the malas, it was like, you know, you're going through various things, right? 
So if some emotions pop up, you got to work with them, right? If it was a little bit smoother, faster time frame, right? Mm-hmm. Now, one of the interesting things is that um, you didn't mention on the 30-day challenge thing, but that you found out recently as a result is despite not having practiced any acupuncture in a couple months, I think it was? Yeah, I mean, the thing with the school is like, I'm one of the senior students, so I take people under me and I'm letting them practice because I already know how to do diagnosis. I already know most of the acupuncture points and needling to me, it's fairly simple. So I'm letting them get their time in. But for about, I probably haven't needled for two months and that's quite a bit of time considering I only needle or can needle once a week, right? So I've recently, just in the last two weeks, I've been working with a client and the acupuncture treatments have been lasting four days after the treatment I gave without herbs, which was surprising, right? So that's a vast improvement after having done an unexpected improvement in your healing ability uh, outside of the work. You didn't expect that to happen by working with this Buddha, and it came about. Where yeah, it just came about because, you know, I'm talking to the client after, and she's like, I don't know what you're doing, but the results are better. I feel spectacular and awesome after the treatment. I'm just doing normal stuff. I'm like... So what kind of treatments were these? Like pain management? Yeah, mostly. Just like um, arthritis type of treatments, right? So, you know, I know I go from a Chinese medical standpoint with the diagnosis, I'm using X points and all these other things. And, you know, it's pretty standard to me, but just how long the treatments lasted was surprising to me. Because usually I'd be expecting maybe one to two days and she's saying it lasted a week or four days, right? I'm like, that's quite a bit just for acupuncture. So that's nice. almost that's almost a uh, an improvement of 100% yeah. In length of time and you can't attribute that to any other thing but the work you did in the 30-day challenge right uh, I mean I've been playing around with energy work but I would definitely say that was something that did help it quite a bit and, and you mentioned uh, there were other results that occurred major life-changing results internally and externally that occurred as a result of working with this Buddha yeah, I mean, you know, I mentioned to you guys ahead of time, but, you know, detachment from emotions, from a, just a clinical standpoint, I, I'm one of those giving people. So, you know, I like to see everyone get the most what they can from the treatments and having this detachment seemed to just improve my clinical prowess and me teaching Qigong classes also, I found my leadership and communication skills actually improved because of that, which was, again, surprising to me. And then more people seem to have come through just because of that. So you're actually making, you actually saw a financial increase in your private practice as a result of doing the work. Yeah. I mean, before it was surprising too, because, you know, it'd be like, you know, just starting up the business, running the Qigong classes at the yoga studio. You know, I'd see like maybe four people. Now I'm averaging around six to eight consistently. Right? All right. Money, power, respect. Yeah. Uh, I was, I'm like, and Tuesdays, you know, I'm getting consistent people through there also. So I'm like, well, this is working. And so, then, so, uh, so you, you talked about having conversations with Amitabha Buddha during this stuff. Is right. this like, did, were the malas used as an evocation process to get him to come into your, 
was it like in your head basically and how'd that go down well it wasn't so much an evocation in the head it was a direct summoning right so mm-hmm. it was very similar to the hindu work where you would take an object and you would evoke over the object that's why we okay. right so i'd be doing that kind of evocation mala work and then afterward you know after he felt or i felt depending on what paradigm you want to take uh felt good about after he'd be like okay sometimes you, we're done for the day like you're you're just too messed up right now like you're, you're barely conscious like we're, we're done for the day and i'd stop there other days i he'd be pushing my limits right but we would always at the end of the mall session talk about things because he'd be teaching me things also right mm-hmm. and i'd be like oh okay he'd be like well consider this in your life or consider this right because from an emotional standpoint it was almost a detox i was doing right? so he was working on a lot of like shadow issues you could say a lot of emotional stuff from my past which i haven't dealt with or i was dealing with that maybe could have been sped up so we would always have a debrief after and then maybe do some other work if need be right yeah you'd mentioned uh some really kind of severe emotional traumas that you actually in the course of the 30-day work with the buddha were able to transcend or alchemize yeah I mean, that, I mean, Guan Yin popped in also because, you know, I work with these spirits, so they always come up when things come up. But, like, since I was mainly working with Amitofo for this, you know, he'd be saying, like, okay, we're, we're doing some energy work, and it'd be almost like a chakra kundalini rising effect, right? So I was literally burning stuff up, right? And then afterwards, we bring it back down and take whatever was needed, like the good stuff, and dissipate the bad stuff, right? And just alchemize it, take it in. And it was really interesting, too, because some of the energy work I was doing, I'm just like, well, this is really hardcore energy work here. I mean, having a Qigong background, I kind of know stuff. And, you know, I learned the Reiki off of you. So it's like combine these things I'm like well this this is pretty hardcore energy stuff because it's like literally I felt different every single time I did the mall of work I the best description I could say is I would almost feel lighter if it was like heavier emotions or if it was good emotions they got amplified ten times more so that was really interesting there Now you were actually were, uh, you were actually, you know, there was a few painful things that you mentioned that you actually think and know that you kind of are past, you know, like you, you had kind of a rough year with interpersonal relations and one particular relationship that went bad, you were able to, you, you came out the other side to release it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, initially after that, I did the work I needed, but this kind of just took care of itself where he wrapped all the loose ends. And I mean, we're talking hardcore to the point it was like I, I was doing soul retrieval work with um, Tofu Buddha. I mean, soul retrieval, that's not something that's pretty easy to do. And this was just through the model work. We were doing that type of work, right? So this is very, very untraditional technique. You're doing these these malas, and at the same time doing like a shamanic journey. 
Yeah, it really was. And it kind of threw me on the back end here because I'm like, um, this is not traditional Buddhist work by any standard, right? But, you know, talking to the Amitofo and things like that, I was like, he's like, well, this is what you need. And I'm like, all right, let's go at it then. Let's go town. So we were really just going with these things. And I'm like, okay, whatever comes up, we just have to work with it. So through the course of the 30 days, how do you feel that your relationship with that Buddha and your magic in general changed? Well, I mean, I literally have homework to do after, right? Like after this 30 days, I, I have a part two that was in, like almost implied that I had to do. So I'm, I'm prepping up for that. But I mean, just from a magical context, like energetically, I mean, things are I would have to say that was the stepping corner for me to do a lot more advanced energy work than I thought possible, right? Especially in terms of like the chakra work that you have the article on. I mean, I probably wouldn't have been able to get as easy through that if I didn't do this work. I already know that because, you know, what you're describing with working with the chakras, uh, strengthening them, and then going upward. I. I was already doing similar work with Amitofo. Maybe not quite exactly the same, but similar enough where it's not that big a jump, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and then from there, I'd also say emotionally, it's given me a lot more freedom than I would have had beforehand with this work. And that's pretty big considering, I mean you know how life is with the emotions, you go up and down with it. But it seems I, mm -hmm. with this more detached um, emotional viewpoint, it's not that I'm not being compassionate, it's just you see everything how it is and there are, it's like it's breaking down those illusions, be them self-imposed or externally opposed, where you could just see things for what they are and not how you want them to be. And that's a biggie for me. So that's almost like a type it's like you hit a plateau. I don't want to say that you're an enlightened being because that would be, you know, rude, but uh, you hit a certain level of what is classically considered to be a type of enlightenment. Right. I mean, you know, and I just view it as an everyday thing, but really when I have to really look at it, this challenge did change that perspective, how I interact with people, how I'm even viewing myself now, right? just from an interpersonal standpoint. And that relationship even with myself has changed for the better. So if you're looking past, say, the emotional nuances of life and you're seeing your personal life with more clarity and you're seeing other people's lives with more clarity, how are you able to stay compassionate towards yourself and others? Would this not lead to almost ju being judgmental of your, your own inequities and other people's inequities because they're not looking past their emotions? Right. I mean, that's why I thought initially doing this work also, right? But this is a fu funny thing with all this Pure Land, uh, Pure Land Buddhist stuff. Um, their definition of compassion is not your classical definition of compassion, and I kind of learned that the hard way doing these models. It's not so much that you would be judging people, because judgment doesn't even come through at that point. It's more like, I see you for what you are, alright, you know, if we're going more Buddhist by the traditional standards, they always say like, you know, see the Buddha in front of you and things like that. It's not quite the same for me. 
given my experiences, but it was more along the lines of, okay, yes, you're this, that's fine. There's no judgment there, it's just neutrality. So what happens when you come out of that trance and you have to go back and look at what you experienced during the trance, Is it, does that stay the same or does judgments creep in? If I actually have to like go back in my mind right now and look at those experiences, I can't even reference judgment because, I mean, I, I don't really remember much actually while in the process of it, right? Sure. So it's like, I, I can remember certain things, but I just dealt with them. Um, I mean, Andrea writes this in his book where you're alchemizing through the um, healing process in his book in one of his chapters. It was very similar to like that, where you just, okay, I see it for what it is, I accept it. Does it work for me? Yes or no. Now you kind of do that with people, with, with the work I've been doing. From that, I'm kind of like, I'm looking at people, I'm like, well, okay, this is what you have, so be it. Do you want to do something with it? No? Okay, well, we're just gonna keep doing it then. Right? There's not as much investment. But at the same time, because I'm not investing as much, there is compassion. Because if I were to force my image on somebody else or my paradigm or that viewpoint, that's not being compassionate at that point, right? Right. Right, right. But one of the things is in the course of the 30 days, and um, the course of the 30 days, you've had all these kind of benefits. Um, all these tangential things uh, occurring, right? Right. What advice would you give to people who are listening to these segments on, and, and everyone should keep in mind, it was 30 days, it wasn't years. Uh, it wasn't years that it was actually tangible uh, changes in 30 days. But what advice would you give to people who are hearing this and hearing what you can possibly accomplish in 30 days of dedicated work? What would you, what would you tell the listeners of our show? Well, first off, I'd say, Take off hands on chaos and I mean you're the host, you wrote the book and being Thanks for the plug school. there, see? And you know, being part see? of the school, you know, you, you taught me so many things. I applied to this, I made the work so much easier, right? Like three days, I'm like, all right, I'm up for a challenge. Let's do this, right? But I wouldn't have got I wouldn't be as confident with that if I didn't have the things you taught me, right? So I mean that's the first thing. Get the book. Me Cooper. Video there you go. Thank you. That's awesome. I mean you guys cover great interviews. You you give some good techniques. You got the Ali Sean and other things like that. I mean that's a start. Then I'd say start researching and meditating on various things in your life. First off, meditating on like where you're at emotionally and things like that. Just taking life at its biggest perspective really like what do you need to work on in your life and then using psychological means or anything you can to help you from just a very basic level like even just a pen and paper saying I want this or I don't want this right this is more like life coaching stuff but really getting your priorities and goals right and then after that start seeing what spirits or what things kind of appeal to you right with Amitofo, uh, Amitofo, I mean, it appealed to me, right? Because I've worked with them in the past, but I mean, on top of that, it was just like, well, I need more self-compassion and self-love for myself and others in retrospect, right? Yeah. So 
it was kind of like, okay, I got, seems to jive with me. Why not work with him? And then, you know, talking to him, I'm like, all right, let, let's do this then, right? So first off, seeing what pulls you, because that's important. If you don't have a relationship with the established spirit or you're using 30 days as establishment, just play around and see what works with you because that's important. If it's something that doesn't work with you, it's just, it's a great experience, but it may not have the same implications, right? Because of that relationship. And then after that, once you kind of have that established, go for the 30 days and commit to it. Even if you have to stay up later to do it, do it because that commitment to yourself and your practice is important to other steps in your life. So once you make the commitment, do it. Fairly simple and dry, but really that's what it is. Just do it. It's like a Nike commercial here on Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. <laughs> so, Zach, first, thanks for the plug. You're welcome. I did not pay him for that plug, so anyone listening, you know. No, he didn't. It's just... Uh... I mean, the stuff on Drea covers, it, it's life-changing. So really, like, for all those people that want to do something, it's worth it. And to further kind of have full disclosure with uh, Zach, Zach is going to actually be helping us with the next energy challenge, uh, the 30 days of energy work. And um, he is very close to being a a doctor in Chinese medicine and uh, you already kind of heard that he has his own Qigong practice so he's going to help me actually run that challenge uh, on August 1st so we're, I'm, I'm sure he'll participate in that because that that's like his challenge that's like oh, yeah that's fun so um, so he's going to be one of the people helping with that challenge and uh, it's a little bit more of a beginner. We're going to make it so it's a little bit more of a beginner's challenge, actually, than uh, the entity work, uh, which can be a little a little more difficult. Uh, but, you know, not necessarily just a beginner challenge because uh, the path of mastery goes even to the master. There's no end to the journey of mastery with energy work. There should be something for everyone in that challenge, including you, Jason. Oh, yeah. Fun time. I know, right? Well, Zach, I really want you to thank you for coming on and giving your story. And hopefully when people are listening uh, to the story, it'll inspire some people to actually get out there and, and do this sort of thing. And it was, like I said, it was 30 days. It was 30 days that three stories, people had life-changing events 30 days so far. And that's, we're only halfway through the people's shows. Well, thank you for having me on. Well, you are welcome. You're welcome. You actually have a uh, Qigong practice. Um, so, you know, if people are listening to the show since... You're here. Maybe give some details about your actual Qigong practice so that if they want to, you know, if they're in Toronto and they want to come up to the sessions, they can. 
Right. So the website is torontoqigong.com. Basically, the schedule as it is. Um, you can look up on the website, but I do run weekend sessions for about one hour. And uh, spelling Qigong, it's Q-I-G-O-N-G. Just because I know there's various spellings on it, but that's the way I'm spelling it on the website. So I have a few articles talking about TCM um, or Chinese medicine, uh, differences in Qigong styles being Taoist, Shamanic, Confucian, things like that. So there's a few articles up there if people are interested. And then just send me an email and I'll usually reply within two days or so. I'm pretty good about that. And then speaking of the actual Toronto Qigong side of things, I am also running a Guanyin Puja on July 21st. Um, time hasn't been decided yet, but I just want to throw that out there for people who are in Toronto or like to come down to Toronto for that. Very cool. Well, we hope to see you in Ohio again so we can do some uh, hardcore in-person work. Yes, because that's always fun. Thanks again for coming, uh, coming on and telling your personal story. And of course, the motorcycles come as we're ending this segment. It's you, Jason. You and the motorcycles. Take, take us away, Rice Rockets. Wow. I can't believe you said that. I'm always stunned by what you actually put on air on the show. You know that's going to go on the show, right? Yes. All right. Thanks again, Zach. If you could yep. stay on the air, that would be great. Yep.